Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Good morning. morning. Well, my name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at Reach and grateful that you guys are here. It's the Sunday after Easter. Welcome back. You survived. Uh, it's getting a little warm outside. Um, and we're just grateful that the sun is shining and there's breath in our lungs this morning. And um, if you're willing, uh, I believe that God wants to address something in our hearts uh, that we a lot of times want to ignore. So let's get into it. So we've been talking about living Jesus is greater this (laughs) really the whole year Um, because I think and our our church is moving in this direction. that There's no greater thing that we can do than to help you learn to live like Jesus is greater in your hearts, in your homes, in your cities. And so for that to happen, we really have to look at what does that mean? And so what we've done, uh, and not necessarily that one is built on the other, and if you've not been here and you're interested in what we talk about today, um, from January 1 until now, we've been talking about this idea. And I believe that every single Sunday is little pieces into the cog of what we need to live this, because it's not natural to us. Living... Well, let's put it this way. The only thing natural for you is living for you. It comes easy peasy because it's what you do. Even in your going, no, 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 I'm a selfless, I serve. And let's, let's just be honest. Probably that selfless serving is just so people would acknowledge your selfless serving, which goes back to you. So living Jesus is greater is not something that is easily mastered. And I don't expect anyone to ever arrive completely at it in its perfection until we are removed from this body of sin and are face-to-face freely living in the kingdom that Jesus will establish when he arrives, when he returns. But loving and living for Jesus is a lifelong pursuit. And in the last few months, we walked through how to, what, different ways to continue that pursuit. Today, I want to look at yet another way. And it won't be comfortable. Why not? Because we are people that love, and I chose this word on purpose, to look strong. We do everything in our power to hide our weakness And our helplessness. But what if I told you the fastest way to living Jesus is greater is to acknowledge and live with the idea that you are helpless. So much of our lives are out of control. You cannot control the economy. Regardless of who you vote for. Or the weather. Or traffic or other people, just to name a few. And I got to experience how far life is out of control because this Thursday I uh, got to do a funeral for a 12 year old. Um, And as much as you think, you know, life is in your hands and you're controlling it well, you have no control of anything. 
And the longer you think you do, the more you're setting yourself up for heartbreak. And really, if, I, if you left right now and didn't hear the word, which you would, you would miss out on what Jesus is getting ready to say through Paul, through 2 Corinthians, hear this. Your greatest way of life change is acknowledging and living a helpless life. And I'll explain that. And I'm not talking about sitting on the corner, not doing anything. Like, I'm helpless. I can't get up. I can't work. I can't do these things. I'm talking about as it relates to our relationship, as it relates to the control of what's going on in our universe. If we're helpless, then we look for something that is in control. Ding, 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 ding. Jesus is in control even in the things that look like it's out of control. And I really feel like most of the people that were at the funeral on Thursday, it feels like life is out of control. And the only stable thing that we can do in this crazy world that we live in is trust Jesus is moving and doing something of great value that we may never understand until we stand before him and he exposes to us his purpose and his plan that are great. The good news is you don't have to be in control. The good news is you can surrender and stay in that place and learn to see God through the lens that he is already in. He's functioning in a sovereign, loving, glory-purposed Father. And he's calling us to trust in him. He's calling us to live in this place of helplessness. And I'm going to tell you, if you want to increase your prayer life, reading a book on prayer right now, and if you want to increase your prayer life, increase your helplessness. Because if you feel that you're helpless and you cannot fix A, B, and C, you know what? It just gives you more things to be like God. I need your help here. And if you lived in this place, then you would spend all day asking the one who's in control to do the things that you cannot do. So my one thing that I want you to hear, uh, and this will give you a clue if you don't know where I'm going already, is his power is made perfect in our weakness. Let's pray. Jesus, we don't want to live a helpless surrendered weak life we don't want to acknowledge our weakness because we don't want to be perceived as weak and so we need you right now by the power of your holy spirit to convince us the best way of living the life that you've called us to is this truth that we're getting ready to uncover in your word so lord even in our inability to believe that this is what you've called us to and how you've called us to really experience your power. Lord, I pray that you would change our hearts to trust even what we can't fathom. But Lord, that we would trust you. And we need that today. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul, uh, and I say this a lot for those that are new to reach. Um, I love Peter. Because I think Peter is a screw-up, and he did lots of dumb things, and God had mercy on him. So I resonate with Peter. I feel like God can love me. 
when Peter's around. Paul, on the other hand, is super amazing. And, I mean, I'm not saying he's not flawed, and I'm definitely not calling him Jesus, but he was pretty perfect, and he was pretty smart, and he pretty much gave his entire life after God arrested him, called him into his work to bringing about his kingdom. But Paul, um, I think, would make me nervous. <laughs> if I was around him, I think he'd be looking at your shirt. You could have ironed it better this morning. <laughs> I think he'd be looking at me going, jeans in church? You should have a jacket on. That's from a dad who's here. Um, you, you know, he would come in and be like, well, he, you know, this is actually what I meant. Like, I just feel like you would be nervous. Like, if he was in the room, I'd be like, I'm going to preach something from Peter this morning, even if I had all of Paul's stuff. But the beauty of what we're getting ready to see is Paul understood that. And God understood that about Paul. So much so that he did what we're going to read today. And so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians. It's going to be on the um, board behind us. But if you've got your Bibles, I always encourage you to look at the word while we're going through it. So you may make a note or be like, hey, I want to go back and do a little, you know, of my own digging in this part. Because I feel like, not feel like, I believe and trust that the Holy Spirit is working as we look at his word. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will today and every day that the word is preached Point at something in you going, hey, 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 this is this is something you need. This is or, or, or he may be saying this is who I am to you and you don't believe it, but I want you to see it. And it's really important to be in that. So we're second Corinthians chapter 12. Um, we're going to do verse one through 10. So he starts off talking about um, a friend. And his vision, which will lead into things, great things that God's done in him. But in verse 1, it says, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on um, to the visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was called up into the heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was called up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body. I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man cannot utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast. Except for my weakness. Though if I should wish to boast, he's... If I wanted to boast, I could, is what he's getting ready to say. <clears throat> On my own behalf, except for my weakness, though, if I wished to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. It's kind of like your kid going, I'm submitting to you, but like, I'm right. I don't know if you've had that moment with your children where they look at you and then you realize later that they were right. That's a whole nother, you know. He says, but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. Let me just side note. This is for free, not in my notes. I think some of us project something, a confidence or whatever that we're not. 
And then when people get close to us and they get to know us, they're like, these two don't match. Maybe it's our Facebook life where we talk real high Jesus stuff and then people get to know you and they're like, are these the same people? Or or maybe it's us elevating these good things that we do. And then when people get in to see who we really are, they're like, hmm, these aren't matching. And this is what we're talking about in Living Jesus is Greater, is that our words and our preaching and our actions match. That they're the same person. Because it's not two different people. God is not calling to you to have a spiritual life and have another life. God's calling you to submit all of your life so that in all of your life you can be like he is Lord and King. Not just in the spiritual times that you're here at church or in a small group or doing spiritual things, but all the time. In verse 7, it says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Who wants to sign up for that? Got a list in the hallway. Like after you sign up for baptism and baby dedication, be like, I would like a thorn. (laughs) No one. But you know what Paul, um, what Paul needed? (laughs) A thorn. Let me just. If we're going to get into the, and this isn't necessarily a message about the sovereignty of God, which is something we sh- you should spend some time on. Because I think it'll change the way you live and act. Because if and when something happens, God has purpose for it. I don't know, and no one may know the purpose of it, but we can live in confidence that God has something that he is doing. Just like when Paul, which he's going to concede here in a minute, God gives him this thorn. God has purpose for the thorn. And I've said this a lot. Um, God has saved me from myself over and over again. I love this church. We're, we're, we're turning 10 years old. And we're going to have a celebration in September. 10 years. And yeah, good gracious. <laughs> 10 years, people. We beat the odds. And yes, and yes, we're still portable. And when will that end? I have no idea, nor do I care. Yes, I would love a building, but until the Lord opens that door, we're going to be happy and content to come to worship together. Um, and one day God's going to deliver us into, you know, the promised land of having a building. Um, and then he'll tell us, like he told Joshua and the rest of them, be careful when you have the homes and the vineyards and all this other stuff that you don't forget the Lord our God. Because right now, we're pretty helpless. Right now, we're under control of this uh, organization that we rent this building from. They tomorrow could be like, sorry, this isn't working out. And we'll be in tents on the property. <laughs> and summer's coming. So pray that they let us stay here. Because <laughs> we'll see how many faithful people there are when it's 98 degrees outside, no A.C., I'm telling you, I, I, okay, I can't, I can't. So we don't, we don't know what this thorn is. There's lots of speculations. You read commentaries. Some people think it was uh, um, an illness that he had. Some people think it was he was going blind. Some people think it was sin. There, there's all kinds of things that they think that this was. Does it matter? No. Because if it was one thing, we'd be like, as long as we don't get that one thing. 
when, to be completely honest, when you need it, God will give it to you. Because he's more concerned, hear this, in what you're becoming than who you are right now. Because who you are right now is who you are right now. Who you're becoming, God can use and change and ultimately do something for his kingdom in our time and in our cities. And so in verse 8 it says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Paul was the miracle man. Now, I've not done this. I've not preached into the night until where someone passes out, falls out of the window, and then dies, go downstairs, pray over him, revive him, bring him back upstairs, and then preach some more. I've not done that. (laughs) Nor do I want to. But Paul did. I mean, Paul had a, 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 a power of the Holy Spirit over his life. I mean, there was miraculous things that happened in him. The shadow of Paul healed people. People would take things that he's touched and miracles would happen and here's paul the miracle man asking the father who does love him and for all of those that think i'm only doing what i want to do read the story of paul paul was only doing what he wanted to do until god said nope i got plans for you and you're going to work for me the one that he was persecuting and you know what he did for the rest of his life until he died in prison exactly what the lord called him to do Verse 9, but he said to me, Paul pays three times, please take this from me. Or actually, he said that it should leave me. So he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Weakness provides the opportunity for God to show his power. If we live falsely in this, I am in control and I have power and I'm not helpless, then it will be everything in our power. And I'm just going to tell you, your power is limited. There's no power to call water out of rock. There's no power to call manna down from heaven. There's no power to do any of the things that God can do if you'll just be weak. If you'll just acknowledge that you don't have the power. But the problem is, and this is on me too. This is a word for me. I have, I have loved this and I've looked back on my notes and not that you want to go back and look at these, but I preached this two years ago, this text. I preached it four years ago and I think one other time. And honestly, I probably could preach out of this every year and we still wouldn't get what God's trying to do for us with this kind of text. Because we're trying to do everything in our power so that we don't have this moment of weakness where we need God. When God's just saying, hey, if you'll get to that place and get to that place now, I can work with you. Because as long as you're in control, and here's the dilemma, as long as you're in the control, if anything good happens out of that control that you're doing, that thing that you're leading, who potentially will steal the glory? You. Now, granted, when I planted this church, I thought we were, I never wanted to be a mega church, and we can talk about that in another time, um, but I thought we'd be bigger. <laughs> we spent a lot of time with like 40 to 60 people, literally. And, I, and I've said this before, the best thing that Jesus did for me and my soul was that. 
Because if reach ever does anything in this city of any significance, and not that we haven't done things of significance, but if reach ever does anything of significance in this city, Heath Cadell is very sure that it did not come from him. But what if we'll just surrender and allow God to do the things that he can do so that it becomes very clear that it's him doing it, which means he'll get the glory, which means people will see. And I love this verse. Uh, A couple of guys were memorizing this verse. And this is a shame when you think of something and I'm probably going to mess it up. But, um, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Light. Help me out, one of my guys. Let your light shine before others. Thank you. So that it may, so they may see your good works. Yes. They not, not see your good works and go, Heath, great job, which some people will do, but see your good works so that they give glory to the Father. That's what we're trying to do. See, Paul implored the God or implored God to take the thorn away. But God refused, instead promised to give Paul the grace to bear it. And as a result, the thorn kept Paul humble and dependent on Christ, which is the best thing that God can do for us. And he delights in it. And he has found that when he is weak, he has to rely completely on the strength of Christ, which is the only strength that matters. Verse 10. It says, for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamity. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul is not saying that he is content with his sin. Okay, some people are like, what, weakness. Paul's not saying, hey, just do whatever. And Grace Miller Brown, you can get into Romans 6 if you want to see, you know, should we keep on sinning so grace of God will be lifted up? No. Paul's saying, you're not in control. You couldn't and didn't save yourself. And you won't and cannot save other people. But if you'll submit and surrender and let God do his work, he's the one that does it. I am um, I'm a father of three. And I have been terrified. I've been in ministry for 20 years. Actually, April 2nd. I think I started youth ministry in 2002. I've been terrified because my first child was born a month later is that my, my kids would not like me. Or the church because of what I do. And I've been on my knees before the Lord because one of, <clears throat> one of my fears is standing before God one day and getting into heaven and seeing these things that happened, but and seeing people that our ministry, God used to bring there and my children not be there. And I don't know if I've even told them this, but this is my ongoing prayer. Is that my, and when things happen like Thursday, <laughs> is that God would preserve their life until they say yes to Jesus.
I'll set anything outside of that. I'll be happy. I would love for it to be in my time. But I'm not in control of that. My kids, although they were born when I'm in full, well, not full time, but I was in ministry. Working in the calling of God. My kids were not born into salvation. No one in this room was born into Jesus. It may feel like that because you grew up in that. But at some point you had to go, I choose him. And I choose to surrender to him and I choose to live in obedience to him. And Paul experienced God's power working mightily in him because God continued to humble him and bring him to a place of trusting Jesus with his life. So here's a couple of questions for you. What are you doing with your weaknesses? Who knows them? Are they so hidden that even people close to you, they may speculate, but like, have you acknowledged to people, hey, these are things that I'm weak in. I have a, another um, group that I meet with with my, my fitness. We call it Shield Lock. And one of the things that we've done here recently is like, hey, you know, we talk and share, you know, what's going on in our lives. But um, we wanted to kind of up our game. And so we, we brought like here, here's everybody in our group. There's six of us. Uh, had to bring one or two things that you're like, I want to be held accountable to this specific and let me tell you, if you leave here today and be like, I want to be a better husband or wife, it's too vague. Because what does that mean? What are you practically going to do? Because there are thousands, if not millions of things that you can do to make that happen. And so we, we boiled it down to things, a practical thing that we're going to do. And um, one, of my, one of the guys, <laughs> um, and I, I, I had two, I won't give them to you because you're not in my shield box. Um, he texted me the other day and I love this. And he was like, how you doing with one of them? Um, and I love that someone loves me enough to say, Hey, here's what you want. And I want to help you get there by saying, remember you wanted this. So what are you doing with your weakness? Or, Or do you have people close enough to you and safe enough near you? And if you don't, This is where community groups come in. This is where you start building relationships with people that are in this room. Figure out if they're that place. But you need a place that you can go, here's where I'm weak. And I need help in. And maybe that help is just acknowledging over and over again to the Lord that I need your strength. So are you hiding it to look strong? Or are you leaning into it to really be strong? Strength that knows itself to be strength is actually weakness. But weakness that knows itself to be weakness is actually strength. Which is what this verse is telling us. Let your weakness push you towards Jesus and not away from him. See, a lot of times we come into counter with these things that are thorns in our life, these trying events. And it does one of two things. It either draws us to the source... That we can experience him or it makes us, and this is why we need to understand sovereignty, it drives us away from him. 
Here's another section, actually before the um, 12, but in verse 4, I think it gives another picture of this weakness. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, 1 through 11. It says, but we have this treasure, talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about this Jesus in us. We have this treasure in jars of clay, which is our bodies, or jars of clay, temporal They're not strong to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not shaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. In the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Galatians 2.20, another verse that we're working on memorizing. We're not living this life in our power. If you want to live like Jesus is greater, you've got to become really comfortable with your weaknesses and your inability. And the danger is, getting to know Jesus will clean up a lot of those And the danger is as we go and as we get transformed ever so into the likeness of Christ is that we'll get to places where we're thinking we're really strong. And we'll get to places that we think we can be very confident in our strength. And that is, in my opinion, very dangerous for us. Because at no point are we not Still weak. Now, we might not do dumb things like we did before, but we still need Jesus. I don't know what you need this morning. I don't know if you need to get introduced to a loving God who's been calling you by name for years, decades to come. And let him show his love for you. And to change your life. I, I don't know if you need that. I don't know if in this moment you're, you're relying on all the things that God has done. And you're living in this place of strength. And you are forgetting how desperately needy you are for Jesus. Which is us always. And let, me, let me just make sure. I love to clarify this. Me included. I wish when you give yourself to the call of ministry that you could step through the veil and be perfectly living out of the body of sin and like it's just perfect and you never experience any of those things. And the truth is I'm on the same journey you are. And as much as I hate it, I love God exposing my weaknesses because it draws me to him. And if we'll be real honest, if you've loved Jesus for a period of time, 
you've grown more rapidly in times of pain and suffering. And right now, you would probably glorify the Father for what He did. You didn't like it then, but you would glorify what the Father did through those times. And all I would say to you is if you want more of God and you want to be transformed into His likeness, then embrace everything that He brings your way. Because if He loves you, and I believe He does, then He's going to do everything in His power to draw you into His grace To transform you into living and loving him solely. Because all the prophet and all the laws are boiled down into this. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your power. We don't get there. And if nothing, if you'll keep that verse around, it'll be a reminder that you're not there. Because all means all. With all your heart. And there's no one in this room. Let me just go ahead and say this. That is doing that perfectly. But that's where God's calling us to. And he is going to over and over again. If you allow him. I'm going to invite our worship team up. Um, Just a reminder. We were going to have prayer team in the back. And. We used to do it up front, and then COVID kind of everything. Um, and then we've done it in the back, and, and we're mostly doing it in the back because I don't know if you see these little black boxes that sit up there. There's speakers right there, and there's a bass thing behind there. It's kind of hard to hear here. And so our, our prayer team is going to be in the back, and I encourage you, I implore you, I do everything within my power to tell you if there's something that God is stirring in you, something you need to verbalize and get prayed for before you leave, don't leave without doing it. I don't care how long the line is, and if we get a line for the prayer team, there's other prayer people that are ready to jump in and make as many lines as we need because we need to acknowledge that we're weak. And if you acknowledge that and live there, your life will go smoother. Because when you acknowledge your weakness, you'll be constantly going to the person who has the strength, which is Jesus. And so if we'll submit and surrender to that, then God will radically transform us. And here's my hope. This is why I preach every Sunday. I think that if we can, if I can bring you one step closer to what Jesus is trying to do in you. And we keep moving in that direction. Then your life will be radically changed one step at a time. And if your life gets radically changed as you're one step at a time. People around you will begin to see that. And then you'll have hopefully The understanding that it was not your goodness. It was not your, well, if you could just be more like me, you know, God would be better to you. But if you see the movement that God's doing in you, transforming you step by step, and it's his power that's doing it. When people are like, hey, how how did you get to this place? Like, I, I see you handling things differently, which is how we should be. Then they'll be like, what, what, what's. What's going on in you? Like, I need some of that. And, and I believe, and we're 10 years in, um, 
I'm into the long view of what God wants to do in this city. And um, anything fast? Like, did we really build enough strength in the people to make? Like, I want revival, and if God brings it, like, amen. But, like, I would, I would settle happily for slow growth. Hear me. Because if you keep moving in that direction, God will transform you, and he will use you to transform lives around you. And that's what we want. So as we worship, as this song goes on, um, I encourage you, acknowledge. It can be internally. Just mean, God, I think I'm strong enough, and I know that's not right. I need you. And I just encourage you, find some way this week that you can remind yourself of your weakness. Because if you live helpless, then you'll be driven to something that can help you. And the only thing that can really help you is Jesus. And He loves you. And He showed His love for you on the cross. There's no doubt of His love for His children, for what He did for you on the cross. And so receive that today. Let Him transform you. And maybe take one step in a direction towards him one surrender and then tomorrow you'll have another opportunity for surrender and then tuesday you'll have another opportunity to surrender and that's life when we live helpless we're constantly looking for jesus let's pray lord no one in this room wants a thorn in their flesh so my prayer is that you do whatever it takes for us to acknowledge you as the one who is worthy of worship and that you would help our life be surrendered to that. Lord, we want to willingly humble ourselves so that we can see. So, Lord, I pray that we would openly acknowledge our weakness. I pray that we would confess of our false strength and we would say we we need you that's our cry right now lord whether it's day one and i need jesus as savior or whether it's day 1258 we need you and that's never going to change so lord bring us to awareness today of how desperately needy we are and how desperately helpless we are Lord, you're going to give us power if we would just surrender weekly to you. So, Lord, do something in us. Do something in me. Lord, in areas where I feel confident, like, yes, I've got this. Lord, I pray that there would be this overarching theme is you're here for me to show me. That there's things that you're going to call me to, to, to do and to, to have, but it's still in surrender to you. So, Lord, change our hearts from the inside out. I pray that just like you said in the Old Testament, that you would remove our hearts of stone and that you would put a heart of flesh so that we can obey you, so that we can love you, 
so that we can worship you. Fix us where we cannot fix ourselves. Love you. Receive this worship. Glorify you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.